I just want to get a little sip of water. Oh my lord. <laughs> Miss Hood with her merry clan doing good all around the land. That was uh, Gabe Massey does that much better. Um, I just I couldn't resist. So, welcome to the Pause for Thought podcast, episode one. Because the last one was a trailer, so this is episode one: Futures Past. I'm Stephen Beckingham, the theater arts program director at Westland High School. It's going to be a very special episode with some old friends. But before we continue, I just want to give a shout out to the many firefighters and emergency workers who are uh, doing their best to calm down these fires uh, around the state. Um, pretty horrible, pretty devastating. But we'll get through, uh, bring on the rain, and hey, what else can 2020 throw our way but let's keep things as positive as possible and have a really great conversation here bridget chenevert and miranda weiler are our co-presidents of the troop 1915 and will be hosting this episode bridget take it away Great. We are joined here today with three former thespian presidents of the troop 1915 from year 2019 to 2020 so right here we have Grant Halverson, uh, Ella Johansson, and Angela Tinio. Thanks for joining us. Of My course. pleasure. Yeah, totally. Super excited. Yeah, I think too. Yeah. To start off the podcast, I would love to know how we're feeling and if you could describe that in just as any normal person would, a musical title or a song title. Grant, we can start with you. Oh, okay. I've been I've been thinking. Um Good. She's on right there. Um, part of your world from Little Mermaid. Because I want to be where the people are right now because we're all trapped. <laughs> wow. What about you, Angela? All right. So I'm not very hopeful right now. But if I were hopeful, <laughs> it would be I Know It's Today from uh, Shrek the Musical. I know. Yeah. Ooh. Um. So mine's a little bit weird. Mine would have to be Adam's family when you're in Adam's because I, well, yesterday I wore my uh, Happy Halloween shirt because it's like so crazy outside. <laughs> I went into Wilsonville and just driving from Westland into Wilsonville, like the whole sky went black and it was like nighttime outside and I feel like spooky, like Adam's family vibes. Um, and it's it's crazy. The world is crazy. All this on top of coronavirus and the the political atmosphere that we're experiencing. It's like, I feel like it's like I stepped into this crazy mansion. They're like, when you're in Adams. <laughs> so, yeah. Great. Yeah. All great options. Miranda, love to hear from you as our first podcast. I've been listening to a lot of Hades Town lately, especially after talking with Patrick Page, kind of. He sent us a video, you know. Uh, and I'm definitely feeling, I can't remember the title, but 
when they're about to like get married and the fates are all like warning against what could possibly happen throughout the whole musical I feel really like warned because the whole world's kind of showing us all of this I don't know the outside's just kind of warning us about what I guess future to come I don't know is it when the chips are down is that it yeah 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 yes thank you appreciate it (laughs) very good I think I'm feeling very to take us back to I believe Spamalot um, whatever happened to my part, I feel like <laughs> it's a very, just few wow. ago. I was going to say, I oh. was going to say really great choice. And then you said, you know, my part. Whatever happened like, to my part. <laughs> it's, it's just this confusion of, I feel like maybe I wasn't supposed to be at home with my family the whole summer, but you know, it's, it's what it turned into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we're all in the same boat there. Yeah. Spamalot was a crazy show. Oh my god. That was I, crazy. I almost said Spamalot just because of like the atmosphere that it was like yeah. so yeah. much going on. It was whimsical. But I didn't say crazy. it just because it was like that was fun. This nah, I wouldn't it's say fun. That's fun. <laughs> no. Um as I'm sure we're all very aware of um this pandemic is a very serious deal. And it's been lasting for a few months now. But I'd love to know at what point during like the beginning of quarantine did you realize the pandemic was more serious than you thought? Because I remember thinking, oh, yeah, you know, two weeks. That, that'd be cool. I could study calc. And then it like clicked for me at one point. Sorry, uh, Ella. For me. Or oh, Andrew, sorry. Yeah. No, Ella, <laughs> go for it. For me, it was definitely when uh, school was canceled until like April 28th. I'm like, oh. We're not going back to school because like there's there's just no way that we could have gone back to school if it had gotten better magically. What are your thoughts, Ella? Um, I'm trying to think. There was so many moments during the pandemic where I got my hopes up of like, OK, it's going to be um, just we're getting an extended spring break and then kind of let down. And so it was like a, like I was falling downstairs almost of like <laughs> I, I finally felt like I had some solace and like had found just like, okay, time to like take a breath and everything's going to be okay. And then it just totally like crashed on the stairs again. Uh, again, when we, when school was pushed back until like April or something, I was like, okay. Uh, and then I think it really hit me when they said seniors, as long as you're passing all your classes by March 13th, mm-hmm. you're graduated. I was like, yeah. Oh, so yeah. I don't have to do any of this schooling. <laughs> like none of this matters right now. So that kind of hit home for me. I was like, oh, okay, it's we're not going back to school if they're making us graduate. And yeah. like, how did you feel about that when you finally realized? What was that like for you? It was a lot. I remember at the beginning of quarantine, it was it was a lot of crying in my car, going on drives, um, and just just trying to stay in contact with my friends. I watched a lot of TV. Um, but it was just kind of the same old, same old, you just stay home and I watch the news every night. And that was my way of staying connected with what's going on. I think it was just, um, I think if I could pick one word, it would be suffocating. Um, and I mean, it's respiratory infection, so it fits, but (laughs) it was just so suffocating to see all the states go down and New York get flooded at first um, and see people that I cared about um, to have to go to the hospital 
and um, just people in my community that were getting it. I was just like, I just felt so powerless. So it was it was suffocating to kind of go through this shutdown and realize, okay, my parents' jobs are in danger. The economy is a mess and people are losing their jobs, livelihoods, apartments, houses. Everything's just going to shit and I, I just didn't know how I could help. I understand that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same question to you, Grant. How did how do you think it impacted your view of your senior year once it really set in? Well, I think it really started because um, I was taking AP and Visai during that time period. And Mr. Hartman is very adamant about making you aware about what's happening in our world and stuff. And I remember it was so funny. It was the same day we were talking about the coronavirus and stuff. And like there are people that were down talking in our class because we didn't really know what was really going on at that point. And I remember Harmon being like, it's going to come, guys. And it's like, it's it's whether you like it or not, it's going to eventually hit our area because we can't really prevent that. And the same exact night at seven o'clock, we found out the, that the that the first case in like Westland slash like Lake Ridge and stuff like was at that school. And I remember because I my partner in that class was Phoebe Castaneda. And I remember like text, texting her and we're and I was saying, like, we're literally doomed, like, I feel like it's just going to spiral down from there. Um, I've been kind of, I think suffocating is also a word that I would use for the entire experience. Um, I think, uh, yeah, connecting with friends was huge with me. Um, luckily, I have that those like resources and stuff to be able to like talk to my friends constantly um, online and doing whatever we could to just like stay in contact while we were all kind of just trapped and isolated in our houses. So I think for me, it it was really rough. But I think uh, for a lot of people, I think it started, people started becoming like, they just become, they started changing. And I think almost a more like positive and like strong way in terms of like being resilient and like um, when these challenges are coming like forth and stuff, like what we do as human beings to cope with them and how we like uh, persevere through them. So I think I found like a, a surge of like integrity individuality and like all these things that i have discovered during the process yeah it's been awful but i feel like for some including myself as i said i feel like it's almost helped with self-discovery in a way that i don't think we necessarily have seen before as humans so yeah absolutely i can really relate to that i think uh it's almost like a wave where sometimes during this quarantine you feel like everything's horrible and then you get like a wave of like happiness and like, oh, but we're making it through it. And I think that's, <laughs> yeah. that's really comforting. And yeah. Oh, for sure. And the, the stuff game was brought up a lot. Is there, and I, I know we've all yeah. developed like with this amount of time, <laughs> you know, you want to add new skills to your resume, whether that skill for me was friendship bracelets right off the bat. Um, I'm not going to say I was good at them, but I enjoyed trying and watching my mom <laughs> surpass me in skill. Was there an activity or a bond or a new skill that you felt helped ground you during a more suffocating time? Um, I can take it away. So right away, um, my parents, once school like got canceled, they were like immediate lockdown. We're staying in our house. and um, the one thing that we could do is go out with like the family and we could go into say Camassia 
just while we were wearing masks and stuff and just like take a walk. We took lots of family walks during quarantine. Um, forced or not forced, but yeah. we. <laughs> and so I really got into birding. I was in an AP and Visay also, and I got a bird book. I ordered one and I'm literally obsessed with it. I can't hold a conversation with someone outside now because I'll be talking and then there's a bird and I'm like, huh? It's like I'm a dog. They're like, squirrel, squirrel. No, totally. It's just, I'm like, I have a log. I have a bird journal. I feel like such a nerd. Um, and so birding, I really got into birding. And then Eric, a McDevitt and I embroidered, we got into embroidering. And so that was like our cute little, I have a shirt now that says education period. Cause that's what our society needs in our government. Anyways, sorry. Um, so Ella, you could say you kind of spread your wings. Yeah, you could say that. Wow. Yes. So, and then I ended up buying like a, a, a squirrel proof bird feeder and did a bunch of research. Right now I have makeshift bird baths outside cause there's limited, um, you know, water that the birds can get right now. And it's like hard for them. The air quality is horrible. So trying to take care of. Huh? Oh, what is a squirrel? What would that a squirrel proof? So it's like spring loaded, and if a certain amount of weight like gets on the the little pegs for the birds, uh, this leaf like comes down and covers the hole. So the bird it's up high up in a tree, but I have a lot of squirrels, and um, and so as, as long as the bird's like not too freaking heavy, uh, <laughs> then it can have. And so I'm mostly I get like black cap chickadees and song sparrows and stuff just common. You're you're common backyard birds. Um but yeah, I'm just like such a nerd about it. <laughs> Could you tell me a little bit about the morning dove? <gasps> oh my gosh. Okay, so I'm Thank you. Now that I, I'm, that's the one. Now that I'm 18, I can get a tattoo and I think I'm going to get a tattoo of a morning dove actually. Anyways, so morning doves are actually probably one of my favorite backyard birds. They come out um while the sun's rising or while the sun's setting, so dusk and dawn. And they're little brown, they're in the dove family, so like pigeons and stuff. They're little brown birds, and they're almost ashy color, so they're really good at camouflage. And they're caught, are you ready? Yes, that's it. Oh my, that's good. <laughs> it's like so, I love, so I had a morning dove nest in one of these trees, and I stood there and I cried, and I watched as crows robbed the nest. And took the eggs and oh. had them. It is ruthless where I live. There are so many predator birds and there's like the whole food chain system. I see it all. It's like, it's it's a wasteland. So I think you need to write a children's book <laughs> and give those birds yeah. names. I do. there's a narrative there. I love it. Definitely. If you don't do it, I'm going to steal it. Okay, <laughs> do it. You can do it. Um, my favorite thing, though, is that you can go... If you, like, spot a bird, this is, like, a beginner, like, totally awesome thing, is that you can take a speaker outside and play bird calls and actually call in certain birds that they're attracted to that, to that same call. Oh, it's really cool. I Sorry, know. I talked for a long time. No, that's... You're going to have love... your own podcast. That's I awesome. love it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> uh, Grant, were you as much into birds, or was there maybe a different activity? <laughs> Completely different. Um... <laughs> Uh, for me, I think I started educating my family a little more on like spirituality and all of, like stuff like that, um, like uh, tarotism and stuff, um, gem work. And actually, my mom and I we 
have started a little thing about um, growing our own sage and um, making our own little sage bundles at our house. We have like lavender outside, or we did, but um, we had lavender outside. We have like wildflowers outside, and um, right outside in our front yard, we have like different types of sage. So we've started to make our own little bundles and stuff, and we've started to kind of like do that as um, a little pair. It's been really fun, and my mom started to get really into it. Sometimes I like I'll go upstairs, and it's, it really smells like sage. And I was like, "Oh, there she goes." <laughs> but um, yeah, but I've started to really get more in depth with like myself and like like the the more spiritual side of it and stuff. And um, I've my friend Jess, who is now um, going to college at um, Seattle University. Um, she helped me do a lot of that stuff and a lot of the things that I've learned is from her because she's, she did this whole like big, like spiritual journey for herself, basically like two years ago. And it was really cool. And I've, I learned a lot of things from her and now I'm like translating them to my life and stuff. And on top of that, I've actually been, um, um, working out a lot more, especially with my dad. And we've kind of had that as a bonding thing. So with all the stresses of like COVID and stuff and like staying isolated, um, it's always been something that, like, when we work out, it helps us get off, like, get off our steam and, like, relax. And, like, it always feels good after. It always does. And, um, yeah, it's it's been, I've been trying to just promote a, a more healthy lifestyle physically and mentally for myself. And that's, and that's on self-improvement, folks. <laughs> I love awesome. that. That's yes. awesome. That's yeah. super great. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Angela? Um, so... Like, right before quarantine, I found myself that I was really busy, and, like, I was just, I was just doing way too much stuff, and I was very overwhelmed, and when quarantine started, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> um, so I did something really similar to Grant. I just kind of chilled and just took a deep breath and stopped, um, and I did a lot of baking, but what's new? Because I really <laughs> like to bake. I didn't make sourdough bread, though, and I'm very upset. Because, like, the... no, I didn't that's make a bread passage. I didn't go to. Yeah, that's a rite of passage, passage, making bread. It's just my mom thinks I'm going to ruin uh, the thing you need to make the sourdough bread in, so I'm not allowed to make it. The culture or whatever. Oh, like I know. The sourdough starter? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. She thinks I'm going to ruin it. And I probably would, so. <laughs> <laughs> What was your favorite um, recipe to make? Um, I don't know. Oh, I made this bread. The I I had made bread. I just haven't made sourdough. She wins. (laughs) Anyway, um, I made this like cinnamon bread. It's like cinnamon rolls, but like put together, and it's like bread. Oh, is that like monkey bread? Hmm? Yeah, it's like monkey monkey bread, but it's like in the shape of cinnamon rolls. I I did that too. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah, so good. Like hungry now. Well, I know. I did macaroni this quarantine. That was my biggest achievement. Yes. Like homemade yes. macaroni? No. <laughs> I, I did it in the box. But oh, I'm so that's the best kind. The box macaroni. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I, made, yeah. I love that. I love that. You know, literally celebrate the little things. Yeah, yeah. literally. Uh, okay. Did you guys, you guys were talking about like family walks and like working out together. Did you guys have a lot of bonding experiences with your family that you didn't get before quarantine? Yeah, I honestly, senior year, I told my parents, I'm going to do as much as I can. This is my last year in Westland and in high school. I'm going to go to all the dances, all the football games, 
all the social events, all the parties. I mean, like, I was like, listen, you'll give me a curfew. I'll be home by that curfew. But I will be out doing my thing, um, living my life, being with my friends, because I knew that we were all splitting up. I have friends going to New York, Chicago, down by L.A. for college and stuff. And I was like, this is our this is hot girl scene New Year, please. Yes, <laughs> come through. And so I once quarantine hit, it was like a real big lifetime like lifestyle adjustment almost for me because I was like, go, go, go. And that's kind of how I like to live my life, just like really fast. And um I like a lot of activities to keep me busy. Um and so I had to really slow down and talk to my mom about just kind of having a slower <laughs> lifestyle of of just kind of spending time and soaking up the moment. Um, and so I kind of learned a lot of lessons um, from her and my dad, I guess, um, of just kind of slowing down and enjoy the moments um, and soak up the small stuff with my family. So I've really enjoyed that time, forced or not forced, um, just hanging out with my family. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to, well, I'm supposed to go to Corvallis here on the 18th uh, if it's not burned down. Um and so that will be kind of my lifting off point of of splitting from my family. But it's um, it's forced me to have a lot more family time, which I really enjoy and cherish because I have younger siblings. So, yeah, that's super cool. What about you, Angela? Um, I even before quarantine, I felt that I was pretty close with my family. We spent a lot of time together. So honestly, it's not anything out of the norm to be spending this much time with my family but I'm just really grateful that everyone's really supportive and no one's like getting on each other's cases that much about anything so yeah totally yeah how is your college handling the pandemic and how are they communicating with you I can start um southern oregon university where I'm where I'm going um it's they're doing a really good job actually, and I think they have to take super extra precautions because their main source of income is theater and the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. And right now, theater's not happening; it can't really happen. It's not safe. So um, SAU is doing a very good job at being very on top of things with when it comes to like school classes, and also being very on top of the fires because Ashland did not get hit, but the towns up north of it got like completely decimated. And Ashland got out like scot free, but um, it yeah it it was I was so I was stressed for like the past three days because I was like I might not be going to college after all this time like waiting like six months worth of it, and um, I got really scared about it. Wow. But SOU is doing a really really good job at maintaining like certain things that they want to uphold um, during the first term, and uh, I guess like an an example is one of those one of those things is that. Uh, the the dining halls, now you are assigned a cohort. So you have a group of like eight to 10 people that you are like, you have to go to lunch with technically or get meals with, and you stay with that group. And there's different in- increments of time, which you like go in and out. Um, I'm also very lucky because I got a single dorm. So I have my own room actually. Yeah, I, I got so lucky. I, I woke up at seven o'clock in the morning, folks, and I clicked on it and I got it. I was so lucky. But awesome. um, yeah, so I feel very secure going there right now. I feel very optimistic that SOU is going to do a really good job. And I feel like they are going to be doing a really good job. And um, uh, going into that area and into that new environment and for that new experience, 
I feel very ready. I, I feel very comfortable and I'm super excited to leave in like seven days. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Angela. Oh, so, um, I'm going to Portland state and, um, my parents said you are not allowed to go down there. So I, I was going to live down there, but then, um, because of all the oppression and protesting that's happening and just Corona in general, it, they felt as though it's not safe for me to go down there, which I totally understand and respect. Um, so I'm just going to be chilling at home uh, <laughs> for the first year. And um, But PSU is doing like a really great job of communicating with the students and saying, like, this is what you need to do, even though it's not going to be in person. And um, I just had um, a bystander workshop this morning saying, like, this is what you need to do if you see like microaggressions or like macroaggressions. Um, so they're doing a great job communicating with the students. Um, I'm going to OSU and maybe I'm just like bad at like keeping up with emails. Maybe I'm just, it's like a mental thing that I'm like just trying to push off college because it's scary. Like once it's like actualized, it's like, okay, I have all my bedding and like, like I got the like snacks for my dorm today, like with my mom. Um, it's, I get a lot of emails, probably like 10 emails from the school per day. And you have to read every single, like, bit in these emails. Part of it is that I am just bad at reading all the emails and, like, checking in every... I'm like, so I have to check in with this college every day? Um, and so I think... <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so needy. That college yeah. is so needy. I know. And so some of the, some of the emails... I don't know. They're doing, like, a moderate amount of communication. I know that it, the dining hall is closed. It's just for pickup. And so it's, like, I don't have a specific time or, like, a, a group to go with. Lucky. It's just, <laughs> when you first get there, they said they're going to COVID test you, and you have to have a negative test to be able to move in your stuff. So I don't know, like, the turnaround for the test is going to be real lickety-split. Better be. Um, But... I have a roommate. I am in a double. Um, it's probably the size of if you've read Harry Potter, his room. It's probably that size. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like I'm excited. The whole reason I chose OSU was the feel, the campus feel. I like the sports teams. I like like the big campus. Um, and I didn't choose it so much for like the academics and stuff. Because I knew this was going to be my life for the next probably five years. And so, of course, it has the academic plans. It has, um, like, an exchange program. But, like, the reasons why I chose the college is, like, the exchange program, the campus life, the clubs, the activities, the football games. And all those things are not available currently. And so it's a little bit of, like, oh, my gosh, I'm just going to head into the storm and stay in there for the rest of the term, I guess, 10 weeks. But I'm still excited. Hey Ella, uh, just I was just curious. Um, uh, did did you are you? Well, I don't know if you're interested as much, but were you gonna look into anything at, with the OSU theater, even just as a as a like a another fun activity to to either support or maybe yeah. be a part of? Yeah, no, I was because we totally... had the woman, the director there. Um, oh, we cool. had a podcast with her, a Zoom with her, and talked about her podcast, and that's what kind oh, of nice. um, inspired us creating this podcast so anyway yeah i was totally i know that they have a club fair that's like the first week and i know that they're gonna do like a welcome week 
And I was going to look into the theater program, not really acting, just because that's not super my jam. Um, but maybe I was really interested in trying out all their clubs that they have. Um, because their club system is, like, huge. So, um, yeah, that was definitely on my list to look, and I'll keep you updated. Do you have any classes? Do any of you have any uh, classes that are in-person optional? Or are they all online? All online. Well, I mean, mine were... Um, some were in person or hybrid, but I purposely chose not to make them in person or hybrid. Yeah. I know you all mentioned um, a bit about like a, another huge issue going on with the pandemic was the Black Lives Matter movement. And I'd love to hear, uh, Angela, what you said was you had, um, what was you calling on a seminar? But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, conference about microaggressions. Yeah. I think just a good awesome. basis question of Westland and surrounding towns are predominantly white community. You know, how did you think that um, that population impacted your opinions or thoughts, your initial and then your thoughts on the Black Lives Matter movement now? Yeah, well, I think that we should all, of course, be educated about, um, you know, the black culture and everything surrounding that. It's just hard um, for us because we don't really have a say in like where we live because, uh, well, I mean, granted, Ella and I do a little bit more now that, like, we are going off to college. Yeah, but, but um, like, initially, like, it's hard for us to be in such a um, predominantly white community and still be educated on the black community because, like, we're just not a part of that culture as much as other people. Um, what learning experiences have you guys been able to have since this has really brought to the media's attention? Were you, are you guys feel more educated now? Um, I have made a personal commitment to first thing I do in the morning is read the news. I have the Apple News, like whatever break that I get from them. And then I think something else that I've kind of I learned in the past, but really taken um, to heart these days is getting your news from multiple different news sources and comparing and contrasting. I think that's where it makes it hard for people that get their news from one news source and believe that tried and true. A lot of news sources like Fox News and like CNN, those are TV like networks that are that are our news sources, but you have to kind of hold them accountable to be truthful mm -hmm. and the best way to do that is to get your news from multiple news sources so like apple news and then i read um like the new york times and washington post per se and then cnn at night of course um <laughs> it's like a ritual so ritual <laughs> but i think okay. the best thing is to always stay hold yourself accountable did i watch the news today do i know what's going on and then kind of um work from your community out and um talking having open and honest conversation with your family i think that's like a it's a sticking point because um i think the best way to educate yourself well for me is to have discussions with people and really talk and my dad and i are super um on the same page about watching the news and keeping up and so we always have like in-depth conversations every day about what's going on and even my sister who's like 11 my brother's 15 i think yeah Yes. Um, but we all have conversations and I think that's really healthy as a family to be educating and kind of promote that discussion style within the household. Um, and I know that's a that's a privilege because I know that in other houses 
um, it's not as easy to have an open and honest conversation. And so um, I'm very sensitive to my friends that maybe that's not the, the same case in their house where certain family members are okay with certain things or whatever. Um, I've also gone to the the protest on 10th Street. Um, some of my friends were saying that it, it wouldn't make a difference to be protesting on 10th Street. Um, and you have to go to Portland to make a difference and go to the Portland protests. And I just fully, full-heartedly disagree with that. I think that the the best way to make a change is within your own community. And you're making an impact with people you know personally and not going into Portland for the clout. Um, because I think you can totally go into Portland as long as you're going for the right reasons. You're going to peacefully be there and stand and elevate the voices of people of color. Because this this is a struggle that, yes, we're going through as a whole community, but we need to make sure we're um, giving a microphone to our, our POC um, community members and friends and let them share their story. Let them speak and be advocates and say what, what's just for their community. Because I think we have this like white, some, sometimes we can have like a white savior complex that, that just, it's been shown that it's okay in some of these movies that we see on TV. Um, and even going back into like childhood shows now that, um, in light of current political standings and the atmosphere and the Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter movement, um, I've kind of looked at shows with a more c- critical eye as I've educated myself. And it's very interesting to see what um, we allow as a society um, to be put in, on air and what people of power allow. It's very interesting to be in a society and exist in this society and also critique it at the same time. I think that's really cool that you bring up, um, especially using uh, our community, starting with our community, because I was, uh, Bridget and I both attended uh, Thespis, uh, the camp, and there was a workshop about using stories, like theater stories and storytelling, to elevate people who don't have a voice. And I know that's something I really want to look into, and finding more stories to help teach other people about that so yeah that's awesome yeah and that's kind of what i'm excited about right now yeah yeah grant um i think so as a member of the lgbtq plus community i think exactly as you said we need to uplift those voices that aren't being heard and i believe that um what the best thing that we can do is start from the community our community and build out I think that's the biggest impact that you're going to make as of now, depending mm-hmm. on any situation of your life and maybe something like later in your life draws you to speak more on those issues and stuff because maybe you want to get into political science. But there's plenty of different ways for you as a person and even through your interests and hobbies to help push that agenda. So, for example, I believe that. Um, Theater is a form of empathy training. And I feel like when we do theater and we do these stories, we are, we're, we're, we're telling them for a reason. We're always telling them for a reason. There's always, there's most, for the majority of, the, of every show, there's always a big theme 
that is trying to be portrayed to the audience, and they that's what they want the audience to get away with after they finish the show. And I feel like as someone who's trying to go into acting and trying to pursue that as a career, I think it's part of my duty to be able have it be Black Lives Matter, that movement, be it anything else also in, uh, in regarding human, human rights, people's rights, um, and just like environment, literally anything. I feel like it's my job to be able to uphold everything that is going on with like protests and being that person, not being the type of white person to be like, oh, like I'm not one of those racist white people. It's, it's being anti-racist. It's not being, it's exactly like, exactly like that. And it's all of that stuff. Um, for me, I have had a lot of conversations with my family who, um, some of them are, are a little more traditional. Let's just say that they're a little more traditional and I have had conversations with them and there's actually been dialogue that has been discussed between us and we, that we have come to an um, uh, actual positive result. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but there is a um, YouTube channel or YouTube series called um, Uncomfortable Questions with the Black Man. I love, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, I love that um, I watched yeah. like five episodes with my family one night and we all watched it and we talked about it. And the very first episode we saw was... Um, oh, I forgot the name of it, but it was the first one, and it was uh, debunking and talking about all the misconceptions of like Black Lives Matter and like everything that's going on towards that. And it was a, just a giant like th these are the facts. This is what we're advocating for, and this is what we want. And since then, I have made it my kind of duty to really make sure that my family is educated on things, educated on like microaggressions, educated on maybe oh you shouldn't say that like and they say why and then i explain to them why and they understand so i think it's been a very good time of learning for my family as well when it comes to more like human rights issues and just issues in general and i feel like my family and i we have we have our disagreements and stuff and sometimes it gets a little more heated but that's because we all want the best out of like any situation and what I want to do is educate them and they know that and they acknowledge that and they want to be educated too in the end. And that's all I want. And that's all I ask for them to do. And it's, it, it's really good. And it's been a very healthy um, form of us expressing our opinions and expressing and expressing and educating. So, yeah. That's super great. The three of you have to say that it's, it's from a older person's perspective and teacher. Uh, it's nice to hear um, a, a, a positivity on uh, a talk of progression. Uh, and it, it's interesting because I think of myself at your age and where I was with anything that could be construed as racist or, you know, something that maybe myself wouldn't have thought about at all. Um, so I feel there's hope and goodness here in that you three are talking about these things now. Uh, my <laughs> wife and I, do a, a an audiobook called me and white supremacy and you know mind blown just just the systematic racism and control I was thinking about theater I went to theater and i'm listening to the such stuff podcast right the um shakespeare's globe and it's just incredible how white theater is it's incredible <laughs> that it, it's 
it sounds silly to say, but I was thinking, okay, now I'm going to do glass menagerie and a raisin in the sun. You know, my curriculum has changed. It's just changed that, that there's no, that's it. I'm, I will not be going backwards to the old stuff. I just can't. So are you reading a raisin in the sun and acting now, Steve? I would like to put that in my acting too. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, that's that's really and cool. I also think it's not just about let's read some famous plays. It's also about now, hey, look, white family during this time period, black family during this, you know, and now let's have a discussion about the comparisons and the dynamics. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I'm excited about that stuff, but I had to chime in just because of how appreciative I am of, of, you know, you, you three young people who I've gotten to know, um, are in a mindset of, um, Hey, I'm still, I'm still learning. I still need to know different things and different aspects of not just life, but societal opinions, but, um, but I'm willing and I'm open. So I just wanted to say, I appreciate that. As you brought up, um, theater and as each, I know both me and Miranda and or Miranda and I, and last year with your, with each of your, um, platforms for running to be president, it's for many years, it's been centered on inclusivity that theater should always be a place not subject to any discrimination for the whole, the theater and on a global scale. Is there anything you think more specifically would help, um, make theater a safer place for all? Like I know we learned a lot about in our theater summit of not uh, just basic, uh, etiquette of audition pieces, not singing something not meant to be sung. Yeah, Grant. What do you think? I think a, yeah, I think a really good start is, um, and I know acting. The purpose of acting is being someone that you are not, and that is what you're doing. That is your job as an actor. But I personally think that a big step that actors and casting directors need to take is if there is something that is specific to a character, you cast someone who is of the similar like interest if there is a trans character in a show you've cast a trans actor and i think that there there should be a precedent of that is the normal there shouldn't be that that should be the normal you should have we should ha- you should have that exposure in the community so that other people in the world can see it too because if you are casting a, a cis actor into a trans role it's not gonna it doesn't read well and I think that goes, yeah, same thing obviously applies for people of color and, and roles like that. Certain plays that, certain plays and musicals that all white school, for the most part, should not be able to do, hands down. And I think that's a big thing. It's, I think it's the, like, the very like, um, small, hinted in oppression and like, like almost bigotry that's in the, like, the theater community that needs to be addressed. And it's those small little like, potholes that, we like as a community need to acknowledge and we need to see that and we need to act on it. Um, I'm personally not an actor. And so, um, and I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm really big into an acting community um, as much as I do appreciate theater and I try to consume as much as, a, as much of it as I can. Um, I think I would like to see, you know how the NBA this year, uh, I am a basketball fan also, um, <laughs> the NBA really stepped out and all their jerseys say, um, 
Black Lives Matter, and they have all these um, sayings that are anti-racist, um, and they, at, after the shooting, they paused the NBA and they said, hey, we're going we're gonna to come to some grounds here and we're going to make a, an impact really in the community. There are a lot of people that are NBA fans that were affected or like as viewers um, by, by the changes that they made because in light of the Black Lives Matter movement and what was going on in society. And I think that the acting community can, I, can kind of adopt some of that. Um, and I'm not sure exactly like what they're doing, like say on Broadway, if they are making any changes. But I think if there's a play um, that covers a certain topic, a certain, certain social justice issue, human rights issue, um, I think that uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have someone or the actors stay like after and talk about the message of the play or before or have it in the pamphlet. I know oftentimes they do this, um, but have that be kind of a like a thing that happens at every single show. You you know the meaning behind it. That you know that the actors know the history behind the show. The what they're producing, but I think it would be cool to hear from the actors and the community um speaking out like on a on a big level and i don't know a lot of like what's been done if broadway is doing something to support black lives matter um but i think that they like theater is an inclusive place it should be a place where everyone can express themselves um in whichever way they feel best um and I think that, I don't know, Grant or Angela or Steve, anyone has, if you guys have, like, comments on what the acting community is doing, I think it would be cool. I, 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 this is, I don't want to take up time here talking. This is about you youngins, but um, here's the thing. It's, there's, there's a whole thing, too, about decolonizing Shakespeare, which I'm just finding absolutely fascinating as a huge Shakespeare fan. Uh, and the such stuff podcast is mainly where I'm getting this, but you know, there are, um, uh, the word slave is in the canon. And one of the big comments was you, you, from this time forward, it should have been before, but you can't just ignore that in the rehearsal room. Doesn't matter what context it's, it's supposed to be in. You can't ignore it. And the way to show our allyship alignment allyship uh is is to know is to know that in rehearsal rooms um it, those things can be discussed and they will be discussed there is no floating over anything anymore um now this is contemporary theater or or um you know a theater of old but um i think that's a huge thing is is because ellie you start talking i was like oh, what about what about backstage you know um of course yeah it's rehearsal rooms, it's the production office, it's backstage, it's on stage. Um, the conversations had to be had, and then hopefully the diversity is there. Okay, yeah, I'm um, stop talking. No, I, <laughs> I agree. I think that's a really big thing, production side, like stage management. I think that that should be definitely pushed in like readings of talking about hot button words like slave into enslaved peoples of kind of correcting and also opening up the conversation um i know when we did robin hood 
uh, a big push was to open up the sexuality conversation and talk about it more within our schools. And if we're having those little conversations in thespian meeting, I know you have to talk, I'm sorry, um, in thespian meetings and also in the rehearsal room and not tolerating any kind of, I don't know, like smack talk, whatever happens backstage, making sure that everyone knows as soon as you start a production, having a conversation about like everyone being on the same page in regards to- It's also about to, speaking up. No, yeah, nobody gets up, to, it's called white fragility. It's, um, it's an, it's just a topic. And so now it's like, yeah, it, it's a decision everybody has to make. Are you going to say something immediately? Or is it like, oh, they're my really close friend or that's my exactly. family member. I'll just, I'll let it slide. You know what I mean? And, and it's being, holding everyone accountable. Yeah. Anti-racist instead of just not be, yeah. being there racist. You go. Grant, Grant, did you speak? Sorry, you were like... Oh, no, no, no. I, I was just reacting because of Robin Hood for y'all know why. But um, uh, I, I, was, I was thinking about um, like Broadway and I just realized that in like the past like three years, there has been a resurgence of um, more diverse shows and more diverse castings, such as like Once on this Island, Town, Jagged Little Pill. And there are more conversations that are being like erupted and being talked about and um i feel like um everyone in broadway like kind of as i was kind of talking about like they're there to tell a story they're here to tell you they want they, they want to bring something out into the world to like have it resonate with you as a person and i think having those shows now becoming more and more popular popularized and like more and more just like happening I think they're taking the steps to being like, hey, like these shows are happening. These shows matter. Oh, even Hamilton. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Hamilton also. Um, I don't know that also, one. Also very <laughs> cool that it's on Disney Plus too, because that is an, basically an all person of color show. I've seen a resurgence of those shows being just becoming a thing. And I think it's really cool. And I think it's saying it's conveying a message of, hey, like these shows matter. Like these stories matter. The people that are telling these stories matter and they are here to stay because it is good as heck theater. <laughs> yeah, and going off of that, I think it's important to normalize, um, you know, having people of color play traditionally white people, like characters like uh, Hello Dolly, like having a person of color um, play that because white people's stories, that, that's been told. Like, we know that. But like, it's going, it's going, it would be interesting to see a person of color play that and normalize it and create inclusivity within the theater community. And also just having, uh, you know, people of the LGBTQ plus community, like write plays or, you know, star in shows. It's super important to create that. Yeah. I remember so, one. Oh yeah. You, you go. Oh, you're good. Um, Ella had talked about, you know, what, um, just asking if there had been anything discussed with the theater, like the more um, global theater, national theater community of what they can do. And I know a big thing we talked about in the leadership summit was um, making it more clear of the idea in casting that to disregard completely the idea that the cast has to look related, which is something like I had, I hadn't thought that that would still be, an issue of like, well, you know, we can't have two parents 
of a different race and then a uh, son or daughter of a different race of it shouldn't be, it should, there should no be casting based off of, you know, would it work genetically? Cause that's not what theater's about. Theater's about telling a story about who can really embody a character. And so I am right at you had something to say. I was just going to say, um, talking more about inclusivity and fostering that, I don't. I was wondering if you guys had any advice as former thespian presidents yourself about fostering that inclusivity in our troop and at our school. I think having a discussion forum similar to this, I mean, it could really go long if you have like a, if you're trying to cut a, a Zoom meeting short. I was going to say lunch period, I'm sorry. Um, no, but I think to have a Zoom where you have kind of discussion style, I mean, you might have to take it a little bit slower than we're taking it here, just because it it would be so, it's such a big Zoom to have a big scale um, conversation, but just talking it out with everyone. Like, it, we're, we're a family, and I think we've recognized that and gone closer. I, I saw with our virtual shorts. Uh, 21. Um, but it's so awesome to be able to have this technology, the privilege to have this technology, um, and be able to stay connected with our troop. I, I still feel close to everyone and to just have big conversations, big discussions, even if you took them on classroom or something and just had like a text, obviously it could get a little bit muddy, but if it was monitored and you guys kind of just had big conversations about race and race's place in West Lynn and the community. And, um, I mean, if you came at it with some solid questions and you guys were definitely in control of the meeting, you can knock it out of the park. That sounds like a good, I I like it. I like it. I was going to say, um, really like it, you're like, as a former president, I, it's very imperative to know that like, yes, you can, help lead the charge but in the end it's up to all of the tr- members of the troop individually. and individually and i feel like it's everyone's responsibility and i feel like that needs to be something that you resonate with the other thespian members and uh i remember us always saying hey like as ella said like we are a family like we make sure everyone feels comfortable here and we will make sure you do feel comfortable here and having those opportunities that aren't just like like specifying that it's not just for inducted thespians, uh, having those like fun activities that are for everyone, even someone who could just shows up one day and is like, I want to see what's happening. And uh, yeah, bottom line starts with you, but in the end, it's up to each member of the troop to fully make sure that everyone feels welcome and feels like they are part of the family because they are. Yeah. All right. Uh, so for me, as uh, a former president, I thought it was really important to go out to each individual, especially the ones who I felt as though didn't feel as included to like, just even ask them how their day was. Because when former presidents did that to me, I felt so included and special. So I l- like to think of the community as a whole but it's important to go out to each individual and ask them how they're doing. Are you, do you feel comfortable in this community? Because even though we are one community, it's, it's a community of individuals. Yeah, I would agree. Last tack on uh, maybe educational resources, post on classroom, um, just educational resource on, 
on what's going on currently in the news um, while also remaining like non trying to remain non-political. The Black Lives Matter, not a political movement at all. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Anyways. Um, but just kind of having educational opportunities, maybe interactive. I don't know. That's just my Um, as we've all talked a lot about theaters, this is a theater podcast. Um, (laughs) besides, besides this podcast, what ways have you seen or read about you know, or experience personally to keep theater alive, keep it essential in your life, even in the pandemic and wildfires and other assorted natural disasters? Um, I think releasing theater, like how Hamilton was released onto Disney Plus, I think that's really awesome. And um, even when I was like a freshman, they released Newsies. Disney mm-hmm. released Newsies out, and that was really awesome for people that maybe didn't get the opportunity to go see it in theater or still want to still want to push out those themes to be able to. I know theater is such a lie. It's so much better live, and you're right there, um, but maybe some shows to be recorded, and even watching virtual shorts was, like, such a blast. Um, we got <laughs> yeah. it hooked up on the TV, and it was, like, super <laughs> awesome. Um, but just to um, talk, and I mean, Emma and I have watched Emma Fulmer and I. She's in Chicago doing her thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. But she, she and I have watched some things. You can, you can like watch something on a Zoom call. Like you share the, your screen. And you're both watching at the same time. Mm-hmm. But to, to watch like Hamilton together, like that was super fun to just be watching and also talking about the show um and so it still it still keeps that like shared experience but also you're doing something theater related I've talked to like Emma about theater Audrey Lipsy a little bit about theater um and just just keeping up with my theater friends of um just talking about what's going on in the theater world with it what have they done acting singing related but um, I think when big companies get to film their productions and release them online, that's um, it means a lot to people that maybe didn't get to go to the theater, don't have the funds to go to the theater. Um, but to make it more accessible for all, I think that's awesome. And Angela, as we all know, you did an amazing performance over Spot with Spotlight. What was it called? called? Friday Night Spotlight. Friday Friday Night Spotlight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how did that go for you? Um, Or, I mean, it went amazing as, you know. Oh, thank you. Yeah, what was the experience (laughs) like? Okay, so when we had uh, rehearsals, which is just us running through the song, um, my audio worked great. My video was fine. And then, of course, on the night of the performance, I couldn't hear the host, and it was incredibly awkward. Uh, because my sister was holding up our iPad and she's like, uh, he's talking. I'm like, I, I, I don't know what to do. Um, so, but it was a really great experience and I'm so grateful that they had an opportunity so quick into quarantine for theater and for us to showcase our talents. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. Although it, it was a little stressful because technology, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great job with that. Uh, Grant, how have you adapted theater? Um, for me personally, um, I was supposed to be part of two productions this summer. 
um, and really broke my heart when I wasn't able to do both of them. But um, I think what happened is that I I listened to those like like the that those two shows like constantly, and it was kind of sad at first, but I like in the end I was like, this is something like I love, and I, I kept listening it to it. Then I started listening to like previous like shows that I've been a part of, or shows that I've just really liked in general. Specifically, I've been like on repeat in the shower. I've been singing constant Godspell revival version. Nothing else. I've been screaming it, and it's been really cool. And um, Friday Night Spotlight. Um, I remember seeing the opportunity to audition for it, and just that enough really like helped spark like my love for theater again. Because I was like, oh my god, I get to perform again. Like I get to like do this like cute little thing and like sing and like do what I love. And even, like, despite the outcome of, like, not being able to, like, actually showcase it, I just found, like, purpose in a time where I felt like there was no purpose. And it really, really helped me. And I think, I don't know if about you guys, but there have been a lot of videos of, like, the uh, original Broadway cast of, like, a lot of different shows, like, performing on YouTube mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's been the coolest <laughs> thing ever. And um, my favorite one was the Kinky Boots one, Raise You Up. And it, it made me very, very happy. And, um, yeah, just, like, those small tidbits of, like, oh, just a reminder, theater still exists in this world, have been really freaking cool, and they've very, have gave me, like, hope and stuff. And the fact that I'm going to college for theater, and the fact that I am preparing two monologues to send in a recording, and then I get the results literally, like, the day after my first Mm -hmm. day of school, it's gonna be really, really cool. And I'm just excited that I'm able to, like, share that like love again and like be able to like be in that space and being in that performance mode to like show like the world what I got. And um yeah, it's it's really given me purpose again. So that sounds really that sounds really depressing. I, I've been happy. No, it's but positive. That was uplifting. Yeah, but like yeah, it's it's it's, it's giving me like hope and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's giving me it's hope. Honest. Because yeah. one of the one of the one of the <laughs> I was just recalling one of the most honest things so far that was said. I don't know if it was the beginning beginning, but it was Angela was like you said something about like I don't have much hope right now or what was it (laughs) i'm not very hopeful right now i'm not very yeah it well everybody would be lying or at least most of us would be lying is if we just kind of went everything's fine like (laughs) it's 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 time it's like just calling out and be making people accountable for for racist remarks or or things that without trying to be a white savior just literally being that human and saying "Mm, that's you can't do that it's okay to say like I feel like crap. <laughs> yeah, you know. So you were all talking about music theater. I had to say. So, so if Annie was was with us right now, of course she'd be riffing with you. So this is just a <laughs> shout out to Annie Kaiser. We love you. Yes, okay. love you, Annie. <laughs> love you, Annie. Yes. <laughs> I believe me and Miranda have one more question that we'd love to ask you. From current presidents to former presidents, um, as we all know. Stephen Beckingham is incredibly hard to work with. Um, and we just love, you know, how, how did you manage? When when he casts you, when he casts you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> how did what you manage? You? That's the question. Yeah, Ella, I'd love to hear from you first. Oh, yeah, we love right. you. <laughs> we love I've Steve. worked with Steve for, like, like, days, 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 and constantly around him. Like, I have class, and then I have another class, and then after school, it's, like, this constant, it's just Steve Fest. Uh, and I love it. It's it's Steve it's Pest. a blast. Um, I think, oh, let's see. Uh, every day's a new day. 
Just <laughs> something new is going to happen. Uh, and always think on your feet. And I think the best is he has a lot going on uh, with, I mean, I don't know how it's going to be this year, but like last year, he has lots of classes to deal with. Lots of crazy students. Uh, lots and of personalities. Then, and then productions. And then um, it was really cool to get to see, especially during Chicago, how involved he is and how in-depth and like when he's in a show, like like working on a show, that's his whole, like he's always thinking about it. I'd be like, like typing on the computer and he would ask me like a random question, no context about Chicago. And I would, I mean, I had trained myself there to like be with him right there. So yeah. I answered his question, not like this buffering, like, what are you talking about? Just kind of, I'm, I'm in the middle of something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and <laughs> yeah. And just kind of meet him where he is, like, right at that moment. If he is thinking about that, that popped into his head about Chicago, that one dance move. You're like, okay, okay, I, I'm with you. Um, and then It the also helps that thing, your, your class assistant is yeah, your, yes, your aide no, is your stage manager. That was awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah. the, the words, what can I do, how can I help, came out of my mouth, like, numerous amount of times while working at the Westland stage. Um really helpful during strike but he has a lot going on always thinking about the show and if there's ever an idle moment or you feel like there's some calm like that calm shouldn't be there in the middle of our production obviously but just kind of what can I do to help and always be supporting the members of your community I mean if I had that much on my plate I would want someone asking me how how to how they can help um but just kind of always be there and anticipate, be on your toes, um, and obviously in the light of this world, always be ready for change, and <laughs> um, get good at kind of anticipating change and things not going really the way you want them to, um, and be flexible. That would be my words of advice. Angela, do you have anything to add to that? So, what was the question? Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what the question was. How do you work with Steve? That's what the question was. How do we work with Steve? We much appreciate our producer. He's very great. We were mainly joking. Steve's wonderful to work with. I was ASM to, to Ella's I don't care. ASM What's last year. Yeah, I got to be ASM last year, too. Or, not too. I was ASM and then... for Chicago and then LOS PSM and I worked with Steve a lot more than I ever had and to anyone coming into our little theater community and about to work with us um Steve's a wonderful mentor to have and I think you should look forward to meeting him he's very he's he's uh he's really good at making you feel comfortable so anyone who's coming in should be very excited and that's that's kind of what I have to add oh thanks of course (laughs) so So the the question was like like how to, how to work with Steve, how to best work yeah. with Steve, right? Was it? Yeah. I thought it was just general yeah. advice. Well, it could be both. Okay. I did a little. No, bit. we can we can roast Steve a little bit. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. I, I, honestly, just keep it appropriate, I guess. Oh, you know. Okay. Well, my two cents about Steve is that whenever I'm working with him, he like of course gives us blocking and direction, like a good director, but he also gives us like such freedom to like do what mm. we want. And I'm really grateful for that because I struggle with that a lot because I just like, um, 
I, I'm just not a creative person. So um, just him saying, like, you need to be creative. I'm like, okay. So I'm grateful for that. And uh, my advice but, is, was... No. <laughs> <laughs> and wait, was it advice? Yeah, was that the good? Yes. Okay, okay. No, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, Going off of what Ella said, just, like, be adaptable and be flexible with uh you know our new environment and just keep theater alive because it's so because i know when i don't like involve myself with theater uh for a day i i genuinely get sad so if even if it's just like watching a 30 second instagram video of someone singing you know i believe from the book of mormon that's enough that'll like satisfy my need for theater so just keep that like alive in your new environment. Okay. My turn. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um. I th- I was like thinking of like of just like a phrase to say and then like elaborate elaborating on it. So I think what I would say when it comes to Mr. Beckingham over here, um, trust his process, but also trust your progress. So Ooh. as you are as. Yeah, I, it took me like it took me like three minutes, whatever. Um, but it's I'm just thinking title of your memoirs. <laughs> yeah, but um, I just know that I, in the past four years that I, or the past four years that I, I that I went to Westland, uh, I feel like each year I grew exponentially as an actor, and I think it's because um, Steve and also Annie gave me the materials and the tools to be as successful as I could be, but also um their advice and like what they had to say was a massive 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 part of it i remember being part of multiple shows where maybe i wasn't feeling maybe i wasn't necessarily feeling what i was doing and at the moment i was like having like moments of like doubt and moments of frustrations because i because in the end we all want to put on the best show that we can and you want to perform at your peak like performance and when you don't feel like you're there yet it can be very frustrating. It can be very numbing. But uh, seriously, when it when it comes to what you're you have at Westland with with the directors and stuff, seriously trust what they're giving out, um, and take it take it seriously. Take what they have to say seriously. But in the end, it also comes down to like the progress that you are making during their process of teaching you. So. With that, I think that you need to um oh oh what's what's the phrase uh the phrase you just came up with no 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 oh. it's a different <laughs> water off a duck's back I think that's what it's called uh, it's, anyways I've it's a, 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 okay a drag queen did it a drag okay a drag queen said it her uh, her name was Jinx Monsoon and water off a duck's back is just saying any like neg- negativity or just any critiques that you get. You you just deal with them and you just let it like slide off like it does not affect you at all. You take it to heart and you just learn from it. So basically, trust the process. Um, what they have advice. to say is their advice. What they have to say is important, and you should listen to it because in the end, you are going to be more successful. So yeah, that's my advice to y'all. Thank you. So thank you for our, to our producer, Mr. Beckingham, and thank you, all three of you, for joining us today. Yes. It's my pleasure. This, this has been a highlight. I know. I feel like it's this like, oh, celebrity question time. I'm like, like oh, am I, I like... I, it's like Jimmy Fallon. I'm like, oh, hi. 
<laughs> just just an alumni business, whatever. Oh, well, sure. all of us at the theater wish you well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we will have your uh, your your mark that you left on the department still lingering. I'm sure. Um, and <laughs> we might be reaching out again. Watch we more. might be reaching oh. out again. So, uh, yeah, Bridget and Miranda, you can close this out. And uh... well, I Ow. wish you all the best in your Seriously. technological endeavors and what you guys come up with this year. It's a challenge, and I know you guys are going to rise to it. Um, and also, the whole theater department's going to rise to the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm super excited to see what you guys produce this year. Yeah, you guys are you guys are more than capable of dealing with whatever comes at you. So yeah, you don't even I, need luck. Yeah, I cannot think of any other people that are more capable than you two. So I have <laughs> so much faith in y'all. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, we really we're excited for the year. I hope colleges go well, and I hope things turn for the best. Yeah, well, thank you oh, again for coming to our podcast, and thank you to all of our listeners. Yeah, this has been Pause for Thought. Please stay tuned for our next episode. Bye, guys. Thank you for tuning in. It's now time for your factoid. Did you know that you burn more calories sleeping than you do watching television? So that's uh, that's the facts. Jax. What? Uh, anyway, please tune in to future episodes. We have some good stuff coming up. And just to clarify, water off a duck's back indeed is a saying, and it was used appropriately. Also, a little shout out to our uh, brilliant tech director, John Ayers. Um, I just thought since Annie was mentioned and, you know, I'm speaking, I should probably, you know, say, say the words John Ayers. So I just said them. Hi, John. And the Trinity is complete. Wear a mask. Be well. Be safe. Be kind. Take care.